0: so grateful for this church. Thank you so much for all your giving, all your loving, all your kids showing up, you know, helping us fight the pandemic by coming to church, pushing back the hand of the enemy. Thank you so much for you who are online. We love you so much. We care about you. We can't wait to see you in in in-person services. Um, what a good God we serve. Hallelujah. Uh, are you familiar with the phrase, if it's too good to be true, then it's probably not true. Many of us have been duped over the years of our lives because something that we should have discounted is lacking credibility. We gave credibility and it took our emotions to a place that could not be sustained because at the end of the rainbow was not a pot of gold. It is frustrating when something tells you it's going to be true. And it's not true. I believe that uh, we have lived in a world where we have convinced people from a young age to believe a lie over the truth. Well, I've been seeing about everything when I see a elephant fly. Remember that? Y'all, that's what I'm saying. That's, the, the elephants don't fly. But we were told they did, Pastor Phil. Huh? Yeah, that's from the movie, Dumbo. Lord Jesus. All right, well, how about this? Animals talk in cartoons, don't they? When is the last time you talked to an animal in real life and it set you up for failure? The movie did. Sometimes the truth is, you know, when you're a child, the, the, the notion is that all adults tell the truth. We know that's not. But the truth is disappointing when you, you know, you believe something that doesn't come to pass. And so what's happened is we become desensitized. So when someone actually shows up and tells you the truth, it's hard to actually embrace that truth because you feel like you've been misled too frequently to just take it at face value and it becomes difficult. I was trying to, I was listening to people telling um, others that that the world is becoming a better place, and it's, and, and it's better than it's ever been, and it's great. And, and, and that seemed unbelievable, unachievable, unattainable, that something in this world could turn out good, because everybody's got this sour feeling that the the fact is the truth, and it's really not. What have I told you today I'm going to help you embrace a truth that can cause you to maybe hope again or believe again or, or, or think again that some of the good things in life are possible? Because there is a feeling that if it's too good to be true, then perhaps it's not true. I challenge that notion today. I challenge it. I pray by the end of what I have to say, you'll say, "Okay, this is gonna be all right. We're gonna be all right. This is this is good." Now let me set it up. Before we go, we're going. To, we're we're reading through the Book of John together. We're preaching sermons from the Book of John, and we've been talking about john remember john's gospel is different than the other gospels you know that that matthew mark and luke and john were really talking about what jesus did and john is trying to tell you who who he is his divinity he's not just god in the flesh he he was he was god before um, he was god in the flesh so so he's trying to reveal something about jesus he came to testify about the light and and last week we kind of left off with john saying these words behold the Lamb of God, which takes away the sins of the world, and his disciples uh, were with him. I want you to know, he said that in a world that feels similar to this world, it was a world that was occupied by Romans who were killers, who were ruthless, who did whatever they wanted to do, who held a great deal of, of, of political power, who who were polytheistic. They believed in Mars and Venus and Minerva and they, Jupiter, and they worshiped other the gods. It was religiously divided society, um, because even though the, the Jewish religion at the time, you know, was the one that was followed, you had Sadducees and Pharisees, denominationism, and, and they weren't really on the um, same page. You had the Greeks, at that particular time who were more stoic, you know, more academic, like the academic world is really based on science, you know, uh, looking at the universe is more abstract, impersonal, but just powerful. You had all of this mixed in together in society. And then you had the zealots. You know, the zealots were more from the political angle where they they, they were frustrated with anybody who would align themselves with the Romans. They, they thought they needed to be anarchists. They need the uh, anti-establishment. They need to do the little things to pull down the establishment. So when you start seeing what's going on in society, what does it sound like? Kind of like right now. So perhaps, you know, in that world, it was very difficult for them to find or put their finger on what you could trust or what was stable. And so... I feel like when I'm talking to young people and when I'm talking to older people, no one can put their finger on what is trustworthy or stable. And so, this is the world that John was living in. This is the world that they were living in. Here's the Scripture that perhaps might speak to their world and our world at the same time. Verse 35, The next day, this is the next day after John has already said, behold, the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world. The next day, John was standing there with his two disciples, and he said, look, he looked at Jesus as he was walking by, and he said, behold, the Lamb of God. Now, this is the second day that he said these words, but but it's something about when you see something. The Bible says that he would know that it was the Lamb of God when he saw the Spirit descending upon him like a dove and remaining. And he had disciples with him the first day, but they did nothing. They really said nothing. They didn't act or react. They only proclaimed a particular truth, but they were still paralyzed by that truth. I mean, a whole day has come past. You would think if you said, behold, here the, the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world, and, and you're a preacher and you're in church, you would do something that was fantastic or, or phenomenal. But sometimes we can be hearing things about God and the things of God, and instead of it, we feeling like we have a green light to rush right in, we just keep slowing down and say, let me check it out, because I can't trust the truth that you're presenting to me. This is the world that in the society that they lived in. So it took them a whole day to catch up, and the message did not change. You see, sometimes we think that the message of God will change, the message for the world will change, but it didn't change. The next day, the message was still the same. He's a lamb of God who can take away the sins of the world. But this time, something did change, verse 37. said, and the two disciples heard him say this, and they followed him. Th- this word "heard" is not just that they 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 it came into their ears. It's not just that they um um heard the sign. They comprehended that this is real. They understood this is not false. They understood after a whole day this is trustworthy. And the proof that they understood is that they began to follow Jesus. This follow is not unnatural. I wish I had time to have somebody up here with me. You know, this, this, this following uh, was was to come alongside of somebody. It wasn't just to just get behind them. It, it was it was kind of like to kind of walk the same level with them and then still be behind. It, it, it's to get close. See, once you know the truth, you want to get a little close to it. Because you have what I would have if I heard somebody say, Behold, the Lamb of God which takes away the sin of the world. I got questions. Because I I can imagine for them, when John was saying, Behold, the Lamb which takes away the sin of the world, they were saying stuff like, He don't look like what we thought He would look like. How come Jesus was living in that town and no one ever called Him the Lamb before? Because there's something that happens when God begins to reveal to you who he is when you really understand who jesus is you stop what you're doing and you begin to follow they followed in fact so closely that verse 38 shows you how jesus reacted. i wish i had the, oh i don't have time to okay so this act like this is a per, this is a person following and in the scripture said, watch this you're gonna love this he said and jesus turned and saw them following him and said what, what y'all want what you seeking you know, somebody you don't know come up behind you. Hey, what's going on? What you, what you want, man? What, what's the problem? You see, Jesus, <clears throat> they got Jesus' attention because they follow. They got more revelation because they follow. They got more closeness and, and they got more intimacy. They got some eye action Because they followed. And perhaps we are stuck outside of the revelations we want about Jesus in the world because we don't get close enough. We don't get close enough. They followed and he turned and said, what, 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 what you seeking? I love that the Bible indicates that they were seeking because the Bible also says when you seek, you find. When you, when you search, you find. If you're searching for the truth that is God or in God or Jesus Christ, if you're searching through the, the convolutedness of society's political uh, ambitions and, and religious confusion, if you're searching for the truth, you can find it in Jesus. You can find it in Jesus. You can find it in Jesus And so he turns to them and say, what are you seeking? And they said to him, rabbi, which means teacher, where you staying at? I mean, I thought, I think this is an extraordinary moment because they called him teacher. They called him honorable. They called him worthy. They called him, uh, they, they were basically saying, we're looking for a teacher. We're wanting to transition. Now you got to understand that they already had a teacher. But John is already doing what he promised to do when Jesus steps on the scene. He's decreasing. He said, That's the lamb. If you're ever going to be discipled, right, someone will always point to Jesus more than themselves. They will not point you to just their ideology and the way they feel. If you are being close to someone, and they're going to disciple you, which means to help you follow Jesus, then, then they're going to decrease, and Jesus is going to take on prominence and preeminence. And if you want to know if you can trust a person, if you want to know if they've got the truth, ask what are they doing with Jesus? This is how you test a spirit. What are you doing with Jesus. If I was to give you something that these men followed because they were convinced. They were convinced I've got the green light now. They were convinced I've got the green light and I can follow Jesus. Where are you staying? I'm convinced about you. I wasn't looking for a lamb. I was looking for somebody handsome, and the Bible said he was common. I was looking for a, a warrior, and he came like a lamb instead of a lion. I was looking for somebody who has some kingly clothes, and yet he's, he's looking like a common fisherman from our town. I can't even recognize him hardly. I was looking for extraordinary, and he's ordinary. Yeah, yeah, but guess what? Ah, I'm convinced that yeah, you are the way, the truth, and the life. And they followed him when you are convinced discipleship can begin because you're going to follow Jesus. That's the ultimate green light. Society has parked you at a red light where no one can know the truth. No one can know what's really going on. It's too good to be true. It's not true. Society parked you there in your problems, parked you there in your trouble, parked you there in your stress, parked you there in the pandemic, parked you there in confusion. But I'm telling you, when you meet Jesus, you've got a hope because you've got a place to follow and you want to find out where you're living at. Now, I want you to know when they asked Jesus where he was living, here's his response in verse, I think, 38 or 30. Uh, again. And he said to them, come, come and you will see. Another word in the, in the Greek said, come, go see. Come with me. You know, discipleship is not just a moment in time; it's a lifestyle that begins to begin. Come, go see. I don't know what Jesus' plans were that day, but it seems like that they were eclipsed by the need of these people. When we disciple like Jesus, disciple people can come and invade your plan. You had the plan. Uh, to, to do one thing, go eat, but now the disciples are coming. You can't go hang with your friends. You can't go do anything. Jesus to me is showing me that he is very missional and he's called to this. For this reason, he came to seek and save the lost. And he said they were seeking him. So he said, oh, you're really my mission. I'm telling you that Jesus Christ always has time for you. Jesus Christ always has time for you. And when we're acting like Jesus, we always have time for other people. You see, his disciples have said, come on over to my house. I know that nowadays it's not popular to have people come to your house. I'm from Detroit, Michigan. We never invite people to our house. Hey, what's your address, man? What you asking me? my address? Well, you look at them crazy. My address? What you want to do? I don't even give the Uber driver my address. Well, I don't call Uber, so that's just, you know, that, some people, they, they don't want you at their house at all. And so here he goes, and, he, and, they, and the Bible says, "So they came and saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that whole day, the whole time, from sun up to sun down, and it was about the tenth hour. And one of the two of his, the, uh, one of the two that heard John speak and followed him, Jesus uh, was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, and what he did was he said, the first 40, 41, 41 he found his own brother, Simon, and said to him, we have found the Messiah, which means Christ. I mean, this is extraordinary. When you are convinced about who Jesus is, you follow him, and that's being a disciple. But when you are convicted about who he is. You know what you do? You start helping other people get the green light and following them. The first thing they did with the revelation of who Jesus was, was go get family. It seems like in this world, when we, when, we, when we think about the things of Christ, we don't know where to start. He's showing you exactly where to start. You start with your mother your father, your sisters, your brothers, your aunts, your uncle Joe, your, your, your great-great-grandfather. You start with all those people that you are family with. The interpretation that Jesus is Messiah and Jesus is Lord is not a private ter- interpretation. It's news for everybody and it's good news. So I'm so tired of Fox News and CNN, they just full of vitriol and frustration and anger, and it's not good news. It's never good news, like ever. And you just got to turn it off. But here is some news worth speaking about. Man, we've got the answer to sin, disease, sickness, sickness, and poverty and confusion and backbiting and slander and Sadducees and Pharisees and Stoics and Romans. We've got the Savior, the Messiah of the world. So, you know what? I didn't believe that this was possible, but all things are possible with Him. You need to come see Him. I can't go see Jesus without you. You're my family. Your faith is not private. Your faith always involves everyone in your house. Kids, you need to hear me. Every kid in, in this room and watching online, you need to hear me. Your parents don't want to wake up for the Zoom church. They don't want to wake up and go to church. You just keep calling, ma, 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 ma. Get up. It's Sunday morning. You just told him, Dad, Dad, you make sure the night before dad, we going to church. Dad, I don't want to go to church. Dad, I don't want to go see Jesus. And you might be saying, why am I talking to the kids? Because the people that Jesus had following him, this, this the, the, the history tells us they were somewhere between 13 and 30. He didn't, he didn't start out with somebody so old as that we can't go there, my back hurting. Thirteen to thirty. He believed that teenagers had something to offer this world. He believed that young adults and college-age people had something to offer this world. You need to walk in your authority. Hey, Peter was obviously older than Andrew, but he but he was going, "Hey, man, we come on, we 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 found him." Verse forty-two. And he brought him to Jesus. What do you do when you're a disciple who you help others follow? You bring him to Jesus. You didn't bring him to you. You don't bring him to your denomination. You don't bring him to your way of thinking. You don't bring him to your political party. You don't get them to align with every way you think in order for you to feel comfortable with them. You bring them to Jesus and then Jesus conforms them to his image. Jesus transforms their life. Jesus washes their brain. Jesus changes their heart. You don't have the power to do all of that, but Jesus does. He brought them to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, you Simon, son of John. You should be called Cephas, which means Peter or Stone." I love it. You know, as a person of African-American descent, I understand this part of the text really good. Because I meet people all the time and I change their name right away. Hey, what's up? you your name? John? What's up, John John? What's up, Jojo? What's up, Junebug? Poop, 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 poop. What's up, pokey? Nah, nah. sha T TT. <laughs> but Jesus was way more prophetic than me. He would call people by their destiny. He called them by their purpose. He he automatically said, I don't know what you thought the truth was about you I know what your parents spoke about you I know you've been fishing and you've been doing something but Peter you're going to be a stone you're going to be a pillar you're going to be a rock in what I'm building you think you may be distant from it because you got to the scene a little bit late but Peter I'm telling you you're a part a big part of it in fact you don't know yet but I'm going to give you the keys to the kingdom I'm going to give you a revelation about who I am and on this revelation I'm going to build my church I'm going to build it on this rock Peter I'm just starting out with a little revelation about who you are because now you're seeing who I am see when you see who Jesus is you can see who you are and you won't know who you are and what you're supposed to do until you understand who who Jesus is and he'll define you he'll shape you he'll make you like Josh I thought I was a medical professional no you're a minister he's not trying to hurt you he's trying to direct you he's trying to give you some good direction today it's in Josephus and the next day now we're on the third day the first day, John got a revelation, but he was at a yellow light. The next day, he got the same revelation, and they finally got the green light. They was, they was convinced, you know, that the green light let them follow Jesus. Now, on the next day, he decided to go to Galilee. Jesus said, y'all at my house? We've been hanging. Let me show you what I'm all about. You want to see what Jesus is all about? See what he did. He spent time discipling people. And then the next thing he did is he said, let's go down to Galilee. And he found Philip and said to him, follow me. Let me show you that the work I do is not limited to you. It's for everybody. Have you gotten right with Christ and then just stayed in your house, stayed in your little Bible study, stayed in your cubby? Are you as you start your small group, are you just happy that it's the same people that you've had with you for the last 10 years and you guys are really growing? Can anybody else get in? You doing the small group at your house and everybody in your neighborhood is lost. Everybody. See, when he went to Galilee, what he was saying is, we've got we you know, this, this is this is they this The next verse kind of proves it. And Philip was from Bethsaida, the city that Andrew and Peter was from. He didn't just get his family. You go back and get your friends. You go back and get people who are in your town, who are in your city, who are in your vicinity, who are around you. Who do you think is responsible to present Jesus to your next door neighbor? No, no, let's, let's just slow down. Like, who do you think is going to do that? Your sweet mate, your roommate, the guy down the street, the guy who sits behind you in class, the guy in the work cubicle. Now, who, like, who, who, who was responsible? Jesus is showing all of us that when you're convinced that who is, you follow him, you've got the green light. But you become convicted to help others follow Jesus. They went and found Philip in their vicinity, in their town, where they hang out. I wish I could make all of you turn in in your Bible or get a piece of paper and just start writing names of people like guy at the grocery store I go to every week who I say hi to, but don't preach the gospel to. Yeah, I want him. Girl at the front desk when my kids get dropped off at the daycare, who I'm always too busy to say hi to. I mean, preach the gospel. I'm, I'm going to go see them. This is what your year is about. It's about helping people make disciples because they follow Jesus. Philip, now watch how, watch how quickly this principle is applied. Just watch this. Philip found Nathaniel or in the other texts they call him Bartholomew, for those of you who are writing notes. And he said to him, we have found him of whom Moses and the law and the prophets have wrote, written, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Daniel said, uh, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Wait a minute. Now he's, he's, he's having to give an apologetic because they're running into the same problem that caused them to have a yellow light at the beginning. Remember the first day they said, behold, here comes the Lamb of God. And it, was a, it took a whole nother day for them to catch up to the reality that he really was the Lamb of God. So now, Nick Daniel's having a yellow light. Wait, I, he he's from Nazareth. I'm looking for somebody from like, you know, the, the, the Jerusalem, you know, coming from the Mount of Olives, you know. I'm looking for somebody. Not Nazareth. We don't like Nazareth. He himself was from, from, from Cana. He, he himself was from a few, you know, uh, houses down. I mean, these, these neighborhoods and, you know, now all this was right together in Galilee. All of this is close. And, he, and you know what he realized? Whatever worked for you will work for other people. Come go see. You got the green light. Come go see. Come go, come go see your man. His name Jesus. Once you see Jesus, this is over. This game over. I'm not gonna say nothing else. Sometimes we talk too much. Make the message confusing. Come on, can you prove to me that I want to talk about evolutionary thoughts? I want to talk about the rotations of the suns. And what about aliens? You know, you start getting all these questions. You don't have the answers, you don't have the answers. You don't have answers. Stop acting like you had answers. You're not that smart. He didn't ask you to have all those answers. Just bring them to Jesus. Say, all I know is I once was lost, now I'm found. It was Jesus, like he's the son of God. It's something about when you say his name, it just hits you down in the heart, and you just find yourself following him. So if I just get you around Jesus, then it's just going to be over for you. That might be all you have. It's enough. It's enough. Verse 47. And Jesus saw Nathaniel, or Bartholomew, for those taking notes, coming toward him and said to him, Behold, An Israelite, indeed, in whom there is no deceit. Jesus is teaching you in this moment how to deal with people who have an aversion to your faith. You don't find out what's wrong with them. He found something that was right with him. Now, we know that he was a doubter. We know that he was a sinner. We know that he had something wrong, but Jesus... In his phone, I said, let me find something good about this guy that I can highlight. Aren't you tired of being discipled by the news cycle that's telling you how to despise humanity and to look at your neighbor like they're the enemy all the time? It's hard to win over somebody you think is the enemy because their yard sign is different than the yard sign you would have picked up. Oh, yeah, they got them yard signs. I might knock on that door. My life might be at stake. Don't take much. Look at their t-shirt. Look at them shoes. I know all about them. Mm. See, Jesus is telling you, no, what you need to do is see what's spiritualized. Find the good in people. Jesus found the good. Let me tell you what's good. You know, it's good news. Man, you're a good guy. It's nothing wrong for you to see somebody who is dead and trespasses in sin and find what's good about them. You'll bring people to the Lord. People know how to beat themselves up. You don't think people have a conscience? People know when they're sinning. People know when, they don't need you to tell them, you're, you know you're drinking too much. People who drink too much know. People who get high on the herb, they know. People who sleep, around, they know. Because the Bible says God has already convicted the world of sin because God writes the law in your heart. He tells you. They need to know is there anything good about me. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Verse forty-eight. Nathaniel said to him, "How you know me? <laughs> you know it's like it's like when you say something good about people. It's hard to believe that. How you know me? How you think we we that close? How you that intimate? How you gonna get down to the source of my essence?" Jesus said to him, before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. He said, even before you met me, I knew you. Even before he brought you to me, I saw exactly where you were, exactly what you're doing, the condition of your heart. I knew that you were lost and yet you were on the edge of being found. I knew exactly about you. You 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 you've been you've been wondering You've been wondering so many questions about me, and today is your day to meet me. See, Philip couldn't answer any of Bartholomew or Nathaniel's questions. Jesus could. Jesus could. Who told you you was responsible to answer every question about the faith in order to actually be effective in the faith? Who told you that? That's a lie? A lot of us don't preach the gospel because I don't know enough yet. I'm after 18 years of BSD, and maybe I'm going to get my master's in theology, and then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be ready, and I'm going to get my little pen. I'm going I'm to be ready. Now, I'll be a little older, but it's okay. I'm finally ready because if you just tell the gospel to one person in your lifetime, that's enough. Wasn't all that wasn't really required. Verse 49. Nathaniel answered, answer, Rabbi teacher now he now now he got some respect on this <laughs> oh, wait a minute wait a minute this man just went deep on me let me elevate who he is because i had him low like man what's this who this who this guy this is a nazareth guy you're trying to bring me old common fella have you ever had people lump your jesus in with every other god that's ever per, per, said that they're god oh yeah yeah you on that god stuff you proselytizing. You're you just doing all that that, that little stuff. No, 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 no. Rabbi, honored. You are the son of God. What he's saying, you are the full nature of God. You are just like God. You are God. That's what he's saying. He, when he said you are um, son of Bilal, means you are the nature of the devil. Or when he says uh, you are son of um, Thunder. You have the, that's what he called them sons of you have the nature of thunder and lightning. You're son of God. And you're the king of Israel. Without a robe, without an army, without a political platform, without a strategic initiative that he's presenting to you. He's everything you ever wanted to believe that peace on earth is possible. That salvation and deliverance is possible. It was too good to be true until you look truth in the eye. And his name was Jesus. He said, it's not too good to be true. It's him. Jesus answered him, because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree. Uh, is this why you believe? You'll see greater things than these. And he said, truly, truly, I say unto you, you'll, you'll, you'll see heaven open up and you'll see angels ascending and descending on the, on, on the son of God. What is he saying? He said, I'm so powerful. I'm so invested on earth. I'm not going anywhere. My truth remains. And when I show up, all of my power shows up. All of my resources show up. I'm not, not, the, I'm not just the man of earth. I'm the man from heaven. I've got the assets on earth and I got all the assets of heaven. I've got angels at my disposal who can strengthen me, who can protect me, who can cover me. And guess what? All I have at my disposal is at your disposal. I'm letting you know if you're going to be committed to my name, then everything I have is yours. You think you've seen something because I revealed something about you that I couldn't have known unless I was who I said I am. But I'm telling you, I'm going to do more for this earth than you can imagine. So don't believe the lie. That the worst days have hit the earth and it's all over. Maybe because your president didn't win or maybe because you think things are divided or or or, or maybe because you think the pandemic has five more strands and, and now we're really not going to be able to live. Maybe you think that you know something that the prophets don't know, that this is this is revelations come to life and, and, and it's all about the end and it's paralyzing you. Instead of giving you the green light of conviction that you can go and tell people about Jesus, it's just paralyzed you. That's a lie. You've got the green light. You've got an open door. Your friends are waiting on you. Your neighbors are waiting on you. Your mother, your father, your sister, your brother is waiting on you. Your coworkers are waiting on you. To do what? To show them Jesus, the light of the world. Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus, the way maker. Jesus, the bridge builder. Jesus, the demolisher of political power because he's replaced with his power and his power alone. Remember, it was young people who started taking the message and going with it. I want you to mobilize in Jesus' name. I'm calling you out not by giving you an apologetic about everything you need to know about the earth. It's just a simple one about Jesus. When he's lifted up, he draws men. When he's lifted up, heaven opens up. Gifts are available to you. Supernatural things are available to you. So, can this earth be better? Yes. Can this place be revived? Yes. Can this United States be delivered? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> He just, the righteousness exhausts the nation, but sin is a reproach to any people and God has gotten rid of sin through his death, burial, and resurrection. And when you preach Jesus, when you proclaim Jesus, when you point to Jesus, then there's a way out of destruction. There's a way out of no way. There's deliverance from the person that is broken, confused, and lost. There's breakthrough everywhere around. I'm telling you, he's the answer to a broken world. He's the answer to a dying world. He's the answer to a hurting world you may have been looking to the left or the right but don't look that way now there's jesus what do you need to do turn and follow him what do you need to do turn and believe in him come go see come go see a man who will give you the green light the green light to live the green light to stand the green light to believe he is the king of this world the king of this earth i do not bow to man when i bow to my god glory to god give him praise and glory Give him praise and glory. Give him praise and glory. My goodness. Stand to your feet. We're out of time. What do you do with this kind of information? You surrender. You don't know Jesus your Lord and Savior. And I want some ministers to come up front here. And online, I want you to get ready to type in the chat. I've been praying for you with other intercessors. Jesus means to do business with you. You've had him in this category of possibly the Messiah, possibly the Waymaker, possibly he's all of these things. Yes, God. It's way more than possibly. You've been introduced to the one and only Savior of the world, Jesus Christ. There's no greater. There's no other hope. You who are watching, you need to do one or two things, and you are here, you need to do one or two things. Some, you need to say, I'm convinced he's the Messiah. I got the green light, I'm following Jesus. That means you're turning from your way of living and thinking, and you're surrendering and making Jesus Lord of your life today. That's one group. other group says, I get it. It's not Pastor Carol who's making me do life groups. I'm supposed to help others follow Jesus. That's what Jesus is doing. I need to get involved in that. Some of you need to repent from not helping others follow Jesus. It's your privilege to do so. And it's also your responsibility. But Here's what I'm convinced of. Today is divinely orchestrated for you just like it was for John and Simon and Andrew and Philip and Bartholomew. It was orchestrated to mobilize you to be kingdom builders, spirit-inspired saints. I want to pray for you. Close your head. your head. Close your eyes. Even you who are listening, this is your moment. Do not disengage. Christ Jesus is calling you. And even at home, every head bowed, every eye closed, when I count to three, if you're in that first group who just needs to follow Jesus for the first time or come back to him because you've been backslidden, when I count to three, you're going to raise your hand quickly and put it down. When I count to three, you're going to raise your hand quickly and put it down if you're in that first group who needs to follow Jesus. One, two, three. Thank you. Thank you. I see those hands. You can put them down. You can put them down. I see them. I see them. If you're in the second group, and you haven't been helping people follow Jesus at the level that he's asking you to. Your family still doesn't know, your friends don't know, your coworkers. Man, I want to repent. I want to get that right with God and I want to be mobilized. When I count to three, I want you to put your hands up real fast and put it down. One, two, three. Thank you. Put your hands down. Look at me. Pastor Jericho will pray over you two groups and dismiss you. Your life will not be the same and guess what? What Jesus is going to do through you, is going to be dynamic. Go ahead, pray. For me.